Good everybody. Ooh, there it goes. There's my microphone. Let me say that again. Hey, good morning. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be able to worship God with you here at Gaston First United Methodist Church. And for those of you who are worshiping by live stream, hello to you. We love it if you say hi to us and tell us where you are, where you're joining us from today. I know we have another group um, of our church members who are having worship outdoors in the great outdoors at Camp Lee uh, in Anniston out uh, just off Chocolaca Road. I say Chocolaca every chance I get just because I like to say it. Camp, uh, the youth have, have been having a big time at uh, their youth retreat at Camp Lee. And so that's one of my announcements. I'm just proud of them. I'm proud that such a great group of, of youth and youth parents and volunteers and Pastor Andy are doing that today at Camp, at Camp Lee this weekend. Uh, they had a great weekend for it. A couple of announcements. One is there are red buckets out everywhere that you go, big red tubs. These red buckets are our September mission focus, and it is for the Etowah Community Free Clinic, and which is just right down the road. It's a wonderful service and ministry to our community, and I'm so thankful that we have it, and I know that people... Who, uh, who take advantage of it are thankful, but that we're just trying to gather some stuff to help them. I mean, things like paper towels and things like that. There's a list of stuff that you can put in the red buckets to go to the free clinic. And uh, it, it's out by the red buckets. It's on our website. It's on our newsletter. And, and if you can't find it there, just call us and we'll tell you. That's our month of September mission focus. Um, there's no brunch today for our brunch club in September. They're going to double down and have a big to-do in October. I was told to say that. Um, uh, one last thing before I, I, I bring up our, our board of stewards chair, uh, Mark Condra, for an announcement. October the 19th is our fall festival, and our children's director, Catherine Barnes, would love it if you went up to her and said, Hey, Catherine, how can I help? She's very receptive in that way. Um, Mark, will you come and share with us? Thank you very much. Um, I'm here today to uh, encourage everyone to um, attend our conference vote on Tuesday, September the 27th. Is that a little too loud? Is that okay? Okay. Um, I want to just take a few moments and hopefully give you some encouragement and give you some confidence and talk a little bit about what we're going to uh, experience uh, because we are prepared uh, to execute this church conference. On the 27th, we will uh, have a simple vote of two choices, to remain or disaffiliate. And I wanted to kind of point out that this is not a vote to leave. Regardless of the outcome of this election or selection process, uh, no one will be asked to leave the congregation. This is simply a vote on our denomination. And throughout this process, it may have been disturbing to some of you to be exposed to some of these things, but we're moving forward with it. I'm very pleased to to say that we have a process that's going to be very simple to understand and easy to follow. But most importantly, I want you to know this is your chance, your opportunity to express and show your support for your church, regardless of your affiliation. We all took a vow when we became Methodists, right? And you look back in 1968 when, when we were chartered to become United First Methodists, we took the vow and now we're asking everybody to make that vote and, and to get involved. So a few pointers from the staff and the task force on the process. And um, first and foremost, we're going to expand the uh, voting time, meaning we're going to open up the polls at 5.45 uh, p.m., 15 minutes early. A lot of you uh, expressed some concerns about after work activities, after school activities. So at 545, we will uh, open up the polls. Our poll workers, our volunteers will uh, vote before. 
We have uh, 16 volunteers and greeters that will help you through this process. This will be very, very similar to what you're used to when you, when you go to the polls to vote. You'll bring your photo ID. All entrances will be open. So we'll have greeters to direct you. We'll have three tables, stations set up. You simply go identify which is your station by your last name by the alphabet. You'll sign the, uh, show your ID, sign the register, get your a ballot. It has remain or disaffiliate. Two quick choices. Uh, the tables will be set up in the, in the, in the area there, uh, Chestnut Street entrance. We'll have two tables. As you come in, you can come in either door. You'll fill out your ballot. The ballot box will be somewhere in this area. We'll have two greeters to show you where the ballot box is. You fold it, put it in the ballot box, and you're through. You have the choice to remain after you place your vote, or you can leave. Uh, our district superintendent, Jeff Davis, will be conducting the conference. We will retire and count the votes. We'll come back and give him uh, the results. He'll make, those, uh, make the announcement then. You do not have to remain for that. If you want to get home before dark, you certainly may. Um, uh, we will be broadcasting the results on all of our normal channels that we use to communicate with you. So it's going to be very simple and very easy. I want to hopefully these words will give you some sense of encouragement. We've worked very hard to make this as simple and as, as, as seamless as possible. Um, I had the opportunity to hear the sermon earlier today. I think the words of encouragement I provide, I hope, give you some comfort and peace. I know the, the sermon today, if you follow Pastor Sam's message, I think you'll leave here with the right frame of reference as we prepare for Tuesday, the 27th of September, 545. Thank you very much.
Please remain standing and join me as we affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in Please be seated. We come to our time of offering, and I want to thank you for your support of your church. Every wonderful ministry that we have as we uh, carry out our mission of sharing Christ and making disciples and serving and giving hope here is because you support us and you enable uh, us to do that. So you're the hands and feet of Jesus when you do that, and we thank you. You can give by, by dropping it in the offering plate. You can give on our website. You can text to give. There's so many different ways. You can come up, come up to Miss Catherine and say, I'd like to volunteer to help out with Vacation Bible. There's all different kinds of ways that you can give, uh, and we appreciate all of them. Will you join me as we pray? Gracious God, every good and perfect gift comes from your hand because you love us and because it's your... Uh, joy to give us good and wonderful things in our lives you give us the resources and the availabilities you give us the time and the talent and the breath in our lungs we give you our lives and we give you these tithes and offerings and pray that you would bless it all and and use it to forward your kingdom in Jesus name amen
Please be seated. We pray for each other around here, and we all need it, don't we? That would be a good chance to say amen, congregation. Yeah, we all, we all need prayers. And we all have people that we know that are struggling in, uh, in difficult situations right now. And we have a list of folks on our prayer list. Um, we, have, we have these lists. You can find them on tables around. You can find them on our, our newsletter. If you, if you don't already have our church app, I encourage you to go to your app store and, and download it, and it's, um, it's a wonderful way to stay connected, and, and you can find out all kinds of things, and, and one of those is our prayer list. So if you'd like to add a prayer request, we encourage you to fill out that card, text it to us, send it to us, mail it to us, tap me on the shoulder and say, pray for me. Um, we have a prayer team that meets every Wednesday, and they pray, and we, we do take these seriously. We love to hear your joys and celebrations too. Um, that's, that's fun for us because we love to see how God is working in your lives. And so you can share those with us too. We like that a lot. Will you join me now as we go to the Lord in prayer? Our gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we, your children, praise you and thank you today because it is in you that we find our, our salvation and our redemption. It's in you we live and move and find our being and it is because of you that we worship together today we want to give credit where credit is due and it's all due to you we want to turn our attention away from the worries of tomorrow and the regrets of yesterday and just focus on the present on what you would say to us through the beautiful music and the liturgy through the scripture through the message through being in contact with one another Lord we are gathered in your name Holy Spirit have your way among us today Lord even as we gather today we remember those who aren't able to be with us today uh, we remember Pastor Andy and our youth group who are on our youth retreat at Camp Lee and we pray that their time together is not just fun but fruitful we pray for those who are in nursing homes and hospitals and are homebound and who would love to be here with us in person but can't. We pray for those who are huddled in a refugee camp and are, who are having to make do and who may be frightened and worried. God, be with those who are displaced and have a longing for home right now. God, we also pray for our nation uh, we pray for our nation, for our state and local leaders. We pray for all those who have stepped up to serve in leadership position in whatever way uh, because it's, it's a difficult time to be in leadership right now. And they need you, and we need them. So, God, have your way with all of us. Open our eyes to see what you're doing inside of us right now, inside of our church right now. Help us, Lord, to trust you just with a simple childlike trust and teach us to pray the prayer you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. children are invited to go with Miss Catherine to Children's Church right now. She's right down here to my left and to your right. So go with her and have a big time and learn about Jesus in Children's Church. The rest of us are going to stand and sing um, 
a beautiful old hymn, number 474, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Will you stand and sing our hymn of preparation?
Isn't it a joy to, to uh, get to experience such beautiful music week after week after week? So thank you uh, to our choir and J JT and Rhonda and Benny for providing that for us. We appreciate it so much. Um, our scripture today comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's going to be up on the screen for you. And while you're turning over there and, um, or looking up there or looking up on your, your Bible app on your phone, let me just mention a word about the song we just sang, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. I don't have time to tell you about it today, but Thomas A. Dorsey, Google Thomas A. Dorsey, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Find the story behind the writing of that hymn. It's, it's amazing, and, and all of these hymns uh, come from the story of somebody's life. It is an amazing story, so Google that. That's your homework, okay? All right, in the meantime, here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and for all who are in high positions, so that they may lead, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Jesus Christ, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the things that I love the most about the Bible is how that you can read the New Testament in the light of the Old Testament and then read the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament and then read both of them in light of the living word, Jesus Christ. And that's, to me, the amazing thing about how the Holy Spirit inspires 66 books to come together to make one book and all of those and all of that over hundreds of years pointing to one reality of God, of God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So how this works with one testament uh, reading, interplaying with the, the next testament is, um, is, is how we look at it. And when I see something like the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and we're studying the book of Acts on Wednesdays now, so we're, we're reading about Paul and Timothy traveling around and planting churches. All of this reminds me of something I read in the Old Testament, one of my favorite Old Testament characters, Jonah. You know Jonah and the whale? I, I just saw a, a, a beautiful picture of that in Mentone at the art gallery this weekend of Jonah and the whale. Um, so Jonah, uh, you say, Pastor Sam, have you lost your mind? Well, not quite. Listen to the words of Jonah, and then we're going to see how this all connects with Paul and his letter to Timothy. Hear these words from Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid his fare, and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah receives a message from God. Go to Nineveh and tell them that they need to repent. But... And this is a big but. Jonah doesn't want to go. I mean, he really, really doesn't want to go to Nineveh. First of all, because Nineveh and Israel were sworn enemies. They had been battling each other for centuries. And also, Nineveh itself was a very wicked city. I mean, that was why God wanted to send him there, tell him to repent in the first place. It was Sin City. No good Jewish boy wanted to go to a place as wicked as Nineveh. And, and this is the biggest reason, Jonah hated the Ninevites. He hated them. 
He hated them so much that he would rather see them perish than to repent and turn to God. He, he just wanted God to just wipe them on out. And he wasn't about to go and be part of this. And so that being the case, this bitterness in his heart toward other people, the first thing he should have done when he got this message from God is fall to his knees and pray, Oh God, I can't do this without you. God, you know how I feel about the Ninevites and you know that I hate their guts. And if you want me to go there, God, you got to help me because I can't do this on my own. God, I know this is what you want me to do, but I can't do it without. He should have first fallen on his knees and said, God, help me. Instead, <laughs> he ran away. He, he ran away. Two times in those first three verses of the book of Jonah, it mentions that Jonah was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Now, let me tell you something. You cannot flee from the presence of the Lord, can you? The psalmist David said, if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Everywhere I go, you're already there. You can't run away from God. God's already there. So, you know the story. Jonah goes and gets on the ship and he gets out to sea and God sends a great wind. Starts rocking the ship and, and they think this, the poor sailors think that they're going to get swallowed over by a wave. So they start throwing everything overboard to try to lighten the load so that the boat doesn't sink. And these are not God-fearing sailors, okay? These are pagan sailors. So what they did was they cast lots, like rolling the dice or something, drawing straws to see what's causing this problem. And the lot fell on Jonah, who was asleep, miraculously, in the cargo hold. And they go and say, Jonah, look, man, the lot fell on you. We don't know what you did to make the gods angry, but do something. Do something now, or we're all going to die. And Jonah, to his credit, said, just throw me overboard, and that will take care of it, because I know it's my fault. I'm running away from God. So reluctantly, they threw him overboard, and he was swallowed up by a great fish. Scripture says the great fish. In my mind, it'll always be a whale. So a whale swallowed him, and there he was. Now, listen to what it says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I emphasize the word then. Then he prayed. Do you see where I'm going with this? Paul's letter to Timothy, we read earlier, chapter 2, 1 Timothy. He says, first of all, pray. First of all, I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone. First of all, pray. But don't we get that backwards? You know, whoever wrote... When all else fails, read the instructions. Wrote it for guys like me, okay? I am king of putting the cart before the horse. And I'm also really good at waiting until after I'm in the belly of the whale to pray. Anybody else? Come on, don't leave me hanging here. Yeah, thank you, George. Um, so just me and George. But first of all, pray. Instead, we do all kinds of things. I see myself in these characters. When I read in the Bible, these Old Testament characters, I see myself I see myself in Jonah. Characters like Jonah, don't you? I mean, God wants me to do something. I don't want to do it. Maybe because I've got bitterness in my heart towards somebody. God wants me to go talk to. I've got bitterness in my heart toward them. I don't want to do it. Maybe I have this prejudice against them. Maybe it's something... Maybe it's just the way I'm, maybe I'm just crabby, okay? Maybe I'm having a bad day. Maybe we're even at the point where we would rather just see God just wipe them on out than for us to have to go and talk to them. Jonah was there. So much so that if you read the book of Jonah, when you see he finally did get to Nineveh after his three-day, three-night cruise in the belly of a whale. He finally did get to Nineveh, and he said the most boring six-word sermon 
that has ever been preached, his heart was not in it, but he said, you know, repent. Uh, now's the time to repent or something like that. And they repented. And then Jonah got mad at God and pouted. And he said something like, God, I knew you'd do that. I knew you'd just up and forgive them if they repented. But Jonah didn't actually pray until he was in the belly of the fish. You see? God wanted him to start praying from the beginning because God needed to work on Jonah and not just Nineveh. Listen to Paul's words again. First of all, pray. If you still haven't made the connection between Paul and Jonah, let me, let me help you out a little bit. You see, Paul, and we're studying him in the book of Acts on Wednesday uh, in our Bible study. And before he was Paul, he was Saul. Remember that? And before he was a missionary for the Lord going around planting churches all over the place, he was going around persecuting Christians. As a matter of fact, he was on his way to do that when his trip got interrupted. Sort of like Jonah's trip got interrupted, his trip got interrupted. He was struck down on the road to Damascus and he was blind. And he had to be led by the hand to the city of Damascus. And for three days and three nights, he was in total, Saul was in total darkness. And he didn't have anything to do but think and pray. Three days, three nights, total darkness, nothing to do but think and pray. And he did pray. Because you see, God wanted to work on Saul as much as he wanted to do anything else. Just like God wanted to work on Jonah for three days and three nights in darkness. So when Paul writes to Timothy, his young mentee, and he says, the first thing you always do is pray. Paul knows from experience. Prayer is the first order of business, not the last resort. I'm going to say that again. Prayer is the first order of business, not the last resort. There is such a beauty to prayer. It, it has so many different facets. It's like a gemstone. It's got all kinds of different facets. You have prayer, but there are all kinds of different ways that is used to describe. Paul uses four different words in these verses in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He uses four different words to describe prayer. He, first, is, he says supplications, and that's, that's just a request. Okay, it's a, a request, not necessarily even a religious quest. I could make a supplication to you. I could say, all I have to do is know I need some help, and I'm asking you for help. Um, and then he says prayers, and that's a whole different word. In the original language, it's different from the first one in that it is only used to talk about God. It's a request that you would only ask God for because some things only God can do for you. Some needs only God can satisfy for you. So supplication, prayers... The third word is really what gets people that are like word nerds like me. It's such an interesting word. It's word that originally meant just to meet with a person. Just to fall in with a person was the original meaning. And then it took on the meaning of having an intimate conversation with somebody. Okay? You and them face to face. Just getting real with each other. Having intimate conversation. And then later on it acquired a special meaning of entering to the king's presence, bowing before the king and asking a petition of the king. It could be a petition for oneself or it could be a petition on behalf of somebody else. But it is a heartfelt request to the king from somebody of a lower position to the king, please help me. To me, these three words show a, a degree of intensity in our prayer life. You know when everything is going swell in your life and you're praying and the intensity is maybe on low. It's just a request, a supplication. And then maybe when the heat gets up a little bit, the heat, the intensity of your prayer gets up a little bit. And it's now gone from, uh, oh, uh, God bless us everyone to God are you there come on I need some help here and then the third notch of intensity is when it's just 
an intercession. It's just, I'm bowing before you, God, because I know that you're the king. If you don't help me, nobody will help, right? And then the fourth word that Paul uses in this passage is thanksgiving. The Greek, eucharista, it's because prayer is not just asking God for things. Prayer is thanking God for things. Okay. Pause for a second and look at the resurrection window, will you? I usually do this on, on Easter, which thing in the hallelujah chorus or something. But move around if you need to. Look at this resurrection window back here. Um, and if you can't do it right now, and of course if you're watching my home, you just need to come and see it. It's gorgeous. But notice, we're always focusing on Jesus, which we should. Notice what the angels are doing. What is their posture? One's hands are like this, like I'm presenting a supplication, a petition. Help me, Lord. The other is just simply like this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay? So prayer is not always just this. Sometimes it's this. Lord, thank you. This is a beautiful day, Lord. I'm glad to be alive. Thank you. So always with thanksgiving, supplications, prayers, intercession. They go from help, I need some help, to God, please help me, to God, just thank you. So first order of business. Now, for whom do we pray? According to this passage and, and uh, the book of 1 Timothy chapter. For whom do we pray? For everyone, Paul says. And you're thinking, everyone? Everyone. Even those Ninevites? Even those Ninevites, right? Even the people that we don't like and that don't like us? Even them. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Really? Pray for those who persecute you? Jesus said, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Pray for everyone, even the Ninevites. And then he goes on specifically to say, pray for kings and all who are in high positions. Okay, so we're not in Great Britain. Do we still have to pray for King Charles? Um, well, not like that. Let's expand this, okay? Pray for anyone who is in a leadership position. Pray for global leaders, for national leaders, for state and local leaders. Pray for leaders in our church. Anybody who is in the position of leadership, we're called to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. But I didn't vote for him, preacher. Well, look, Paul did not make that qualification in his letter to Timothy. Let's pray for them because here's what he says to pray for them. Not that, you know, not anything about party affiliation or your opinion difference from them. Here's what you pray for them. Verse 2, that all those in positions of leadership would be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and dignity. Why in the world would I want to do that? Well, verse 3 says, This is right and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, even the Ninevites. God doesn't just love me and people that look and think like me. He loves the people who get on my nerves just as much. And God calls me to love and pray for people that I don't even like. And that's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Ask Jonah. It's a hard pill to swallow. But you know what? God is bigger than me. And if I ask for help, God will help me. God calls me to come out of my little narrow life, and my little narrow focus, and to think bigger because God is 
big. There is one God, Paul says, there's one God and one mediator between God and humankind, Jesus Christ himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. Who gave himself a ransom for all. All means all, y'all. Did you see I made that rhyme? All means all, y'all. To that point, Paul says, look, let me just give you an example. God called me, Paul, and appointed me, Paul, to be a herald and an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. In faith and truth, to the Gentiles. Which to, to Paul were like the Ninevites would have been to Jonah. Paul hated them so much that he was ready to see them be thrown in jail. He'd rather have them judged by God. And Paul said, you know what? Proves that God has a sense of humor. He called me, a former Pharisee, to go to the Gentile nations and plant churches. You got to love that. Let me finish by asking you to do something. Pray. Pray. Pray for everyone, but say a special prayer for those who are in leadership positions. It's more popular to make fun of them, to lampoon them. It's more popular to, you know, throw rocks at them. Nobody likes the boss, right? Everybody wants to make jokes. But pray for all the ones who are in leadership positions because these are difficult and divisive and stressful and emotional and all kinds of things. These are the times that we live in. It's harder than ever to be in leadership, whether it's in your work or in your church or in local, state, or national politics. It's harder than ever. Pray for, pray for your church leaders. Pray for me. I'm not too proud to ask y'all to pray for me. Pray for Pastor Andy. Pray for Sheila, for Catherine, for all of our church staff. Pray for our lay leadership. Pray for those who are on a task force who are trying their best, y'all to lead us through uh, just a sticky, emotional, difficult time. Pray. Not as a last resort, but as the first order of business. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for your invitation to us, which is really amazing that the, the one God of the universe would invite us into his presence and say, what, what would you like? What are your desires? How can the Holy Spirit help you to pray even when you don't even know the words to pray? God, thank you that you welcome us, that, that through your son Jesus Christ, you've opened the door wide and torn the veil open into the, so that we can enter the Holy of Holies. God, what an incredible opportunity that is. And Lord, as we come before you, we realize that we are the ones that need work on our hearts and our attitudes and, and our shortcomings. And then we can turn our attention to praying for others and for everybody. God, for those who have said yes to the call and their, and their vocations and in their uh, local and state and national government. For those who have said yes to the call to leadership. God, help them. Help us. Help us to live quiet and peaceable lives that reflect dignity and godliness and an example for others. We ask all of this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
I want to remind you as we sing our closing hymn, it is number 573, O Zion, haste. As we sing this, I want to remind you that um, we have different ways that you can pray. Of course, you know, you can pray all kinds of different ways. Um, one of the ways that's a, a wonderful tradition that we have in the United Methodist churches is we have this altar. You can come and kneel down and pray or stand here. You can pray by yourself. You can grab a person's hand and say, come and pray with me. I got something on my heart. I want you to pray with me. And you can come and kneel together and pray. You pray at your seat. You know what? God has open lines. Um, I also want to invite you as we sing this closing hymn, if you want to come and be a part of this church family to either move your membership from another church or to come by profession of your faith in Christ and join us today, then those doors are open for you too. Stand together with me now as we sing O Zion Haste. If you've been around here long enough, you know Patsy. <laughs> 
Betsy has, I, I just had no idea until one day Patsy said, you know, my membership's still at East Gadsden United Methodist Church and they're not even there anymore. I need to go ahead and, and move. So Patsy, even though I already thought you were a member here, uh, let, me, let me ask you, I know, um, will you support this church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? You always have and always will. Here's how you know if, if Patsy loves you. If she picks on you, she does. She must love me a lot. <laughs> so after we have our benediction, uh, I want to ask you to come up and, and give her a hug. And um, you might even pick on her a little bit too. She will. She will. All right. Now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.